go. And hello and welcome to another interview with me, Brandon Singh. And our interviewee is Dr. Philip Simon of USDA, a carrot breeder of USDA, specializing in flavor. Do you care to introduce yourself any further? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, I oversee the USDA carrot breeding program focusing on carrots for fresh market use. So raw carrots or whole carrots or baby carrots. And uh, we have a pretty big project looking at a wide range of things. And uh, we learn a lot from the history of the crop. And uh, I, I spend most of my time on carrots. I have spent a fair bit of time on garlic earlier in my career and a little bit yet. So uh, glad to be talking to you about those two crops today. Thank you. You'll start off with talking about this question right here, which is what land race are the yellow and red carrots derived from? And what breeding processes have been done to increase the flavonoids found within these accessions? Sure, maybe um, I can share the screen and there's you've got a later question coming up on flavonoids. We can maybe look at that one after this. Is that okay with you, Brandon? That sounds good for me. Okay, uh, let me, uh, if you you're could- You're now able uh, to share your screen, so you should be good. Right, so uh, let's uh, share, let's see, where are we? Here we are. Uh, Let's see, where's the carrot pictures on this? There's some carrots someplace. Uh, I've got to minimize some stuff so I can access the controls here. Uh, let's see, um, sorry about this. I'm not sure. There we go. Why can't I? I'm not able to get to the, there we go. Okay, I, I got things going now. So where I wanted to start was right here. Can you see that? I can see that. Let me put it in uh, presentation mode. So um, this talks about carrots a little more generally uh, and uh, in terms of uh, the, the development of different land races of, of different colors. And actually uh, your question was about land races uh, that of red and yellow carrots. Yellow carrots are the old, the oldest of carrots, along with purple. Um, as a crop, uh, the first certainty of carrots as a root crop was only 1,100 years ago, which, as crops go, is pretty young. Something like wheat and barley go back 15,000 years, and potatoes and rice about five to 10,000. So carrots haven't been around that long, uh, and. Probably the crop was first domesticated in Central Asia, which means places like Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan. Um, and purple and yellow were the first two colors. Question you might, might ask is why purple and yellow? We do not know. There's very little written about the history of carrots uh, of any type, but it was known that what has been written and it has been recorded in written history that yellow and purple carrots were around in starting in that part of the world and uh, spreading around the world after that. And, at, and throughout the early history when purple and yellow were the colors, purple was viewed as better flavored than yellow, but the, the purple carrots probably had a yellow center to them. Uh, so the, the whole 
the whole the the really important and but very unknown question is why were why were these colors domesticated? Where did they exactly come from? They came from wild carrots. Uh, we don't know the processes at all. And like I said, compared to other crops, there's not a very good written history. We do know from written history that the crop spread to the west and to the east, primarily to the west, uh, through the west, through the Middle East, through North Africa, and then finally into Europe only about 500 years ago. So started 1100 years ago in Central Asia, then moved west and into Europe about 500 years ago. Moved east a little more slowly and carrot didn't seem to be quite so popular, um, but these were still yellow and purple initially. Um, and it wasn't until about the, it says here 1600s, probably 1500s that orange types were selected in Europe or maybe Turkey. So that's more than you wanna know about red than yellow or, or than yellow, but uh, in terms of red carrots, maybe I can move to another slide. Let's see if I, yeah. So this talks about the colors of carrots and where the, uh, where the written history indicates they were. And the, the top part of this, this uh, diagram starts in the origin of uh, Central Asia uh, where purple and yellow were the carrot colors. And, and, uh, yeah, and like I said, orange didn't show up until about the 1500s, 1600s. Uh, I don't have red on this uh, particular slide, but red showed up at about the same time as, as oranges and yellows. And reds, unlike yellows, oranges, and purples, uh, and whites, reds first showed up in the East, primarily places like Pakistan, India, uh, Korea, China, and Japan. So most of the red carrots we have today are from Asia originally, whereas the other colors primarily are from uh, brought over, at least in the U.S., uh, were carrots brought over with the uh, European settlers that came to the country. So um, exactly what the breeding process was, it probably was breeding done by women uh, because vegetable development historically in most places of the world has been uh, done by women. Uh, it seems that Men historically have spent more time in big fields raising animals and women spend more time in gardens uh, uh, raising uh, the food crops that the family eats. Um, and so we don't know, again, we don't know the details of this, but we do know that uh, carrots have been around for a long time. There's some evidence of carrots being used prehistorically too, but probably not as a root crop because the family of plants that carrots in is very aromatic, including crops like fennel and cumin and coriander. And all of these are very flavorful uh, seeds that we eat and so are carrot seeds. Uh, so anyway, um, those are, that's a little bit uh, then of the breeding history, uh, uh, primarily on this slide, uh, the colors other than red, but red started showing up in Asia about the same time as orange carrots started showing up in Europe. A uh, quick follow-up question. Uh, yes. Could it be possible that the crossbreeding of purple and yellow carrot varieties led to the appearance of orange and red ones? Um, probably not. Uh, let me see what my next slide is. Uh, so this just shows some of the colors. Uh, probably not. Probably um, 
in fact, quite certainly based on what we've been able to figure out looking at some of the, the genetic fingerprints of carrots, it looks like red, uh, like orange carrots were derived from yellow carrots. That yellow carrots were the first colors, like I said, yellow with purple, uh, and then orange were quite certainly derived from orange. Whether they were derived in Europe isn't certain. The first definite history of orange carrots is in Europe, but uh, some indication they may have actually been, uh, or, or may have originated in Turkey. Turkey's a place where there's lots of carrots historically. It's kind of funny and no good, uh, no good explanation for it, but for whatever reason, when carrots got to Turkey, they became very much more popular than they have in other places. So we don't know whether orange carrots originally came from yellow carrots in Turkey or from yellow carrots in Europe, but that's where orange quite certainly came from. Thank you. Sure. And, and uh, yeah, so we, and there's really only a, a few genes that control the color. So on this slide, you see uh, the colors aren't very clearly di uh, differentiated here, but that's uh, upper right is a, in, in this photo of colored carrots is a yellow carrot and then some white carrots towards the, towards the uh, bottom. That's a wild carrot, that skinny one with uh, lateral roots coming out of it on toward the bottom. Uh, and, th and those are always white. Uh, so, so it's one or one gene difference go, be, going from white to yellow, another two genes going from yellow to orange, and then another two genes going from orange to red. So uh, we know that from the genetics of how those colors are controlled from, from a genetic standpoint. So that's what makes me say, answer your question to say, we know quite certainly that orange carrots were derived from yellow. We can cross and we do cross the different colors and we, 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 it's always interesting thing to do and you can get the whole technicolor range that way. So uh, I know you, that you work with a lot of different cultivars of carrots. Have you noticed that there's some that stand out in terms of how well they, they pass on either a flavonoid trait or a color trait? Yeah, I'm gonna see what my next slide here is. That's garlic, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the, all of the colors, well, okay. The, the truest, so if, if you are growing carrots and producing seed and you have orange carrots, uh, if you enter, if you take those orange carrots and, and grow a seed crop from them, you quite certainly will get orange carrots and orange carrots only, uh, not yellow carrots and uh, probably not red carrots. Uh, something like purple carrots, um, you, when you produce a seed crop from a group of, of purple carrots, you may not get all purple carrots or maybe some that are not purple. And that's because of the different genetics of the colors. So the trueness of color uh, uh, in a breeding program is, uh, is dictated by the genetics, the genes that control the, those colors. And, and uh, purple is the dominant trait for those 
geneticists in the audience. Uh, and that's what makes it a little more unreliable because even though it's dominant and shows up readily, uh, it means that it's gonna, going to hide some of the non-purple recessive versions of it, whereas orange is recessive. And so orange carrots intercrossed always get you orange carrots. I was wondering if you could actually breed an even more orangey carrot or a more orange-flavored orangey flavored carrot. That's the full flavor that you get with an orange carrot, if you can increase that. Indeed, yes. And that's something that, that my project has done a lot of work on, is making an orange carrot more orange. And the reason for that is the orange carrot is... So all of these colors, I don't have it in this deck of slides I'm showing you, but each of these colors has some nutritional value that goes along with them. I know you're going to ask about flavonoids, and so the purple carrots are highest in flavonoids. And there's some carrots that are solid purple and dark purple. The darker the color, for all of the nutritional pigments, the darker the color, the more the nutrition. So carrots, that's a solid dark purple is very high in, in uh, flavonoids. Those purple anthocyanin pigments are in the flavonoid family and uh, very high in uh, flavonoid content. A dark orange carrot has more of the carotenes. That's a different category of pigments. Uh, has more of the carotene pigments uh, than a light orange carrot has. And so that's what we've in my breeding program been doing over the years is, is uh, breeding orange carrots to be more orange. And in fact, it's been a, it's been a successful project because um, in the, if you look at the average, I'll give you some numbers that don't mean much until I uh, tell you more about it, but an average carrot of uh, 1970 had about 90 parts per million carrot, uh, orange carrots now had about 90 parts per million, nine zero of, uh, of carotenoids. Carrots today have about 140 parts per million carotenoids. So the orange carrots today that are just average carrots in the supermarket are about 50% more nutritious than they were in 1970. And that's because of the selective breeding we've done to, uh, to breed when we're looking at a collection of orange carrots, we interbreed the orangest ones, and then that gives us orange carrots the next generation. And that's what the seed companies are doing. We don't, we, we develop carrots, but we provide that seed to seed companies, and they're the ones that commercialize it. So the seed that's a grower grows is coming from a seed company, but there, it's seed that ultimately started in many cases from my project. And, uh, the, and again, the darker orange it is, the more of these carotene pigments. Carotene pigments uh, are, are a category of colors that control the, the orange, red, and yellow colors. They're all, those are all carotenoids. Um, in terms of nutrition, the orange is most important because those orange pigments, when we eat them, are broken down into vitamin A, which is a, it's a mandatory vitamin. There's not a lot of vitamin A deficiency in the U.S. There's a little bit, but globally there continues to be a lot of vitamin A deficiency. It's a nasty nutritional disease. And so uh, we are working internationally to get higher orange carrots out there for consumers. Uh, the yellow pigments are important for eye health in particular. The red pigments uh, protect against uh, some forms of cancer. Those red pigments in carrots are the same red pigments as in red tomatoes or in red watermelons. So those, that's one, one group of carrot 
pigments is the carotenoids, orange, yellow, and red. And then the other group of pigments is the anthocyanins, which is a flavonoid, and those are the purple pigments. Have you noticed any cultivars in your breeding program or any accessions that have shown up in your breeding program that can pass on those traits, that uh, traits very well? Yeah, they all do. They all do pretty well. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, carrot is a crop that the carrots that we grow can be grown pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, a lot of crops you can only grow in certain latitudes. But so we grow a winter crop of carrots in Southern California, where we plant in um, October and harvest in March, uh, a few miles north of the Mexican border uh, in a University of California collaborator field. Uh, and um, the, the pigments there are in terms of the expression or the color that we get there is pretty much the same as what we're seeing here in Wisconsin or in Washington or Michigan or Indiana or New York or for that matter, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and so these are passed on quite reliably. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting that they are passed on as well as they are. Mm -hmm. In terms of what ones might be better than another, they're all they're all about the same. Like I said, the genetics has some factor on it, but once you have a, a, a reliable purple carrot, it's going to be reliable purple unless you've got some mix up in your in your breeding program. Thank you. Uh, sure. One more quick question before yeah. we move on to garlic. Uh, yeah. uh, have you noticed any any correspondence with the beach resistance to different colors, like? Like, if are the purple varieties more resistant to certain diseases than, say, the orange ones? Are they more what? Resistant to certain diseases than orange. Ah, ones? ah yes. Um, that's a great question. And another sort of similar question is do they taste different because of the color? And, and it turns out that the color and the flavor and the resistance to diseases are all controlled by different genes. And so we can we can mix and match all those combinations as we want to. Some combinations are a little tougher to put together, but, um, but, it, but that's an interesting question. We were wondering about that through, well, we continue to wonder about that as we move along, because we would, it'd be a, it'd be a hard story to, if, uh, if it turned out that the good flavored carrots all had poor nutritional value, for instance, or a lot of disease susceptibility, but luckily we can read for those independently and put all the combinations. So good disease, good color, and good flavor together. Thank you. I think sure. now we can move on to garlic now. Sure. Just put a picture up of garlic while you're asking your question. Sounds good. So what do, you, what do we have in terms of knowledge of the, of the origins and domestication of garlic? Yeah, that's uh, garlic has been written about an awful lot more than carrots in terms of written history. And there's many more drawings of garlic uh, historically than carrots. Having said that, the history is not overly clear because it seems that when garlic gets someplace and is being grown, those places it gets to claim, claim it as their own. And so it's been thought that garlic maybe originated in in the Mediterranean or in Sicily or in Europe, but it turns out garlic quite certainly 
like carrot, it turns out, which is just happenstance, originated in Central Asia. So this region of Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Pakistan, the stands, uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, so that's that's where garlic first occurred as and was used as a crop from what we can tell if we take a critical look at the history of the crop. And I think I, um, so we know, so, so when, we, when we talk about where a crop started, that's referred to as its center of origin or center of diversity. And uh, it was right now, garlic doesn't, you, can, you can't find, you can find wild carrot all over the world. You can't find wild garlic nearly as widely as you can wild carrot. Right now, the primary wild garlic that's still out there goes from roughly Azerbaijan to Pakistan. Uh, there's not much wild garlic left outside of that. It was thought that wild garlic occurred all the way from China to eat to uh, across Northern Africa in, uh, in beyond Egypt, even to Morocco and into Europe. Um, but at one point that, that, that region I just mentioned had more rainfall than it currently does, but as precipitation diminished over the years, uh, we're talking about several thousand years ago, that's when wild garlic occurred that widely. Over the last couple of thousand years, there's been less water, especially in places like North Africa and parts of Asia. And gar as that happened, gar wild garlic no longer occurs there. Fascinating. So there's been many changes in garlic, I suppose. Uh, unless the wild garlic all substitutes volubles in massive quantities. So what genetic changes have happened to change it from a seed producing plant to a volubile producing plant? <laughs> that's a great question, I'll tell you. I, that's what my focus on garlic has been, is looking at that question. Um, so here's just a map showing some of the parts of the world I just talked about. So, so the, I don't know if you can see my cursor or not, but uh, Central Asia is here north, uh, west of, of uh, India and uh, east of uh, the Saudi Arabia. That's the origins of both garlic and carrot. Um, so we didn't know really anything about the origins of garlic when uh, it, was, it wasn't known it wasn't really known about any much about the diversity of the crop. Uh, garlic has been grown for a lot longer period in lots of places. And there are many different cultivated types or cultivars of garlic that are out there. But we didn't, but since most of the garlic, in fact, almost all of the garlic in history that's recorded has been asexually propagated or, or grown from bulbs, from, from cloves, and not from seed, we didn't have any idea what kind of genetic diversity there was in garlic. And um, I'll get to your question of why we have garlic today without seed, but we do know that there's a large amount of garlic genetic diversity in the garlic that's out there. But having said that, yet today, almost all garlic that's grown is grown from cloves, of the bulb rather than from seeds. And that's because seed production on garlic is not an easy thing to do. Uh, I think, so this is some wild garlic that I 
picked up in uh, 1989 in, at the time it was Soviet Union, uh, growing out of the rocks, garlic lakes, rocky kind of dry areas. And uh, you see some, some uh, on the top of the stalk, this is what, you, what growers out there of garlic would know as a hardneck garlic. You can see at the top of these stalks, you can see this, the, uh, the, where the flowers had been. And there's a, there is some seed in these wild garlics, not a lot, but there is some. And it, it seems that wild garlic, we, in fact, we have evidence that wild garlics do reproduce from seeds sometimes. It's been tough though to get seed production on garlic. Uh, even though this happens in, in the wild, it probably doesn't happen a lot. But we know that when we look at this wild garlic from, in this case, this is a part of the world that currently is Uzbekistan. This Uzbek garlic, uh, when we look at it, it looks like there has been some garlic from seed rather than from the, the cloves of the bulb in this part of the world in, in this wild garlic. I'm going to change slides here. So this is another wild garlic plant. You can't see the, the top of the plant with the seeds on it so much, but uh, you can maybe in the center of the top see a, a collection of flowers, and there were some seeds in that uh, collection of flowers. Um, this is another part of the world. This is also Uzbekistan, where I'm collecting some garlic with a couple of collaborators here. This field happened to have both wild garlic and wild carrot in it, but uh, this is the kind of terrain that 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 garlic comes from, fairly dry, um, and probably that dry land stimulates some of the seed production. But it's a great question. Uh, this is some commercial garlic, and uh, this was actually in Syria. Um, it's a good question of we've got a crop today that doesn't produce seed. We, we have to assume it came from seed at some point. What happened in the meantime? What happened in the meantime is that we, we think that all the, almost all the garlic, if not all the garlic that's grown around the world came from wild garlic collected in Central Asia, in Uzbekistan, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, somewhere in there. In fact, when we were collecting this, uh, and I've been there a couple of times, you'll find nomadic people going through that area yet today, picking up wild garlic in the wild. And they're probably bringing it with them and they're nomadic and they're bringing it long distance. Marco Polo went through that part of the world. He probably picks them up and there've been lots of explorers, both from Asia and Europe that went through there. Probably everybody picked up some garlic when they came through. And then when they went home, when Marco Polo went home to Italy, started growing that garlic in Italy. And so the Italian growers said, hey, this is our garlic. And it turned out it was all Central Asian. We think that all the garlic that is in the world today came from the Central Asian area, probably was brought out of there by explorers and travelers coming through the region and dispersed to the rest of the world. When it got to the rest of the world, the focus on garlic was getting bulbs, not getting seed. It's not a crop that's known for its seed like soybeans or corn is. And so with the focus on seed, there's been a movement uh, towards garlic that does not produce seed, like this garlic that we're, that, uh, we're showing in here with Teresa Kotlinska, my collaborator from Poland. This is in a Syrian uh, market. And so the production of garlic reproduction, the, the seed production of garlic goes along with flowering. Many of the garlics that are grown today in your farms, in your fields, do not produce 
seed stalks. This is a hard neck, what's known as a hard neck garlic. I don't have a picture of a soft neck garlic, but uh, on the left, it would look just like the hard neck garlic without the flower stalk going up above the plant. Those flower stalks often have that curl in them. Um, so wild garlic always has a flower stalk and in many cases can produce seed. Uh, and so it just turns out that because from a, from a commercial or a consumer standpoint, you're not interested in the flowers, you're not interested in the seeds, you're interested in the bulb. And since you can take a garlic bulb and, and save some cloves for the next year and grow it again, that's what people have done. And so most of the garlic we have today is coming from the, the, uh, the, those bulbs, those excuse me, the cloves in the bulb uh, that's shown in the middle of this slide. There's also small cloves up in the flowers on the right of this slide. And this is a, an inflorescence or a set of flowers on the top of a garlic plant. And in that collection of flowers, there are flowers which are, which are tinier things on the right of this picture. And there are also little bulbs in the left part of the picture. So bulbs don't occur just on the, in the bottom part of the plant in the cloves that we're familiar with. They also occur up in the flowers. And uh, so it's possible to propagate garlic cloves either from either end of it. It's just they're bigger in the bottom. But uh, the, there just hasn't, going to your question, there just has not been much focus on growing bulbs, uh, carrots, growing garlic for, for, um, for flowers. It's only been for growing it for bulbs. As a geneticist, I'm interested in growing it for, from flowers. And so what we did was we looked at a big collection of garlic from around the world, a couple hundred different garlics. And we looked for those, first of all, that flowered. And only about a third of the group that we looked at of a couple hundred flowered. Then the next thing we looked at is of those that flowered, is there, are there viable flowers that are producing pollen and might they, there be some that are producing seed? And in fact, a small number do produce seed. And so yes, uh, those of you listening to this presentation, you can get garlic from the USDA collection that has the capacity to produce seed, but it takes a lot of work. If you're going to do it, you have to remove those tiny bulbs I show on the right side of this uh, set of pictures, those tinier bulbs, because they compete with the flowers. If you don't pull those tiny bulbs out, the flowers usually don't produce much seed because they don't draw as much energy coming up from the stalk as those little bulbs do. So yes, you can produce garlic from seed, but it's only in a subset of hardneck garlic that has that capacity. Thank you. So in, if you want to breed some garlic, would you just start off with that subset as a foundation yes. stalk and maybe it, just uh, add in some wild garlic? Yes, yes. Time to bulk up the genome? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's being done. Uh, one of the larger garlic uh, dehydrating companies have generated a few acres of garlic from seed. Uh, uh, some uh, collaborators with me have generated new garlic cultivars by doing just what you said. We've got, you know, yeah, we, I've got a list of garlic I could send you if you're interested of those garlics that can produce seed. And if you got listeners, or if you, Brandon, want to do get going, you can develop your own new garlic. But be patient, 
it takes a while. And if you're in the wrong climate, it's tough to get the seed to mature properly. The better places are somewhat drier areas. Uh, I forgot, but I've got a collaborator in Wisconsin that's produced some seed. It's another one in Southern Oregon that's produced seed. Um, so it is possible, but uh, it's not as easy to produce seed as most seed crops. Thank you. Sure. I, can, I guess this would conclude the presentation, like the interview, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. there's a little more. Never mind that. Yeah, yeah, let me, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, this just talks about some of the history where garlic has shown up at more of a historical record. And then I'll end it with this. This is, these are all garlics that came from seed. So each of these is genetically different from the other. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of variation in garlic. Um, yeah, but, but going back to your original question, we do not exactly know how we get these garlics that do not, that are soft necks. Uh, what's going on there? Because um, it came from seed, why can't it produce seed? But uh, there's, so there's still some questions to be answered for garlic, for sure. Thank you. Uh, I usually end this interview by asking the interviewee, is there any, any messages you want to give to the audience before you go? And um, or to you. Yeah, well, I, I guess in terms of messages, uh, it's a lot of fun working with this diverse collection of plants. Uh, in, my, in my career, it's been primarily carrot and garlic. Uh, and uh, we look to this diversity of the crop to help us better make better crops in the future. Uh, in the same way we talked about diversity in the social sense, diversity is a great thing in the agricultural sense because this diversity is what we tap into to make sure that we can sustain the production of garlic and carrot into the future. We're growing some of these crops in, in a very stressful environments because that's the way the climates of the world are going. And we're finding some carrots, for instance, that are very, very uh, tolerant of some stressful environments. And this comes from evaluating that diversity that we see and we've been talking about in this interview. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Guess we'll end the recording. Very good. Glad to do it. Thank you. Thank you.